Virginia. Also up in North Carolina, in Texas, it appears to have happened in Kansas, Colorado, a number of places. We talked to Leanna about that situation. Back to Local News Live, a familiar face, Leanna Scacchetti, our correspondent in Roanoke, Virginia, the digital anchor for WDBJ7. Leanna, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we were reading about your reporting in your interview the other day. We carry that here on LNL about uh, the swatting situation at a number of high schools where, from what we understand, it's essentially uh, somebody is calling in an active shooter at a high school when an active shooter didn't happen. Obviously, that's uh, very dangerous and creates a lot of issues. Uh, what are the details that you can share in those situations right now? So limited details, you know, as is happens typically with this type of report, but we understood that yesterday, uh, one of the high schools in Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, went on lockdown and an a notice went out to parents, essentially letting them know that they were going on lockdown, which was likely going to affect uh, dismissal, delay some of the buses, delay uh, children getting out of school. We understand that the Lynchburg Police Department actually got a call from an out-of-state number reporting a gun in the school. So the Lynchburg Police Department, working with the school district, um, actively went and investigated that. They put the school on a precautionary lockdown. Um, they determined that the best course of action for some students was to actually have them evacuate while Lynchburg Police Department searched the schools. Uh, very fortunately, of course, there was no gun found, but it certainly still is disruptive to the school day, not only for students in Lynchburg, but we learned from Virginia State Police and the FBI based in Richmond that this is actually happening um, similar situations were happening yesterday simultaneously at several different schools throughout the state. Do they know, and the detail that really I think stands out is the fact that it was an out-of-state number that made this call, which, which is uh, something that's certainly alarming. Do they know if these other situations, if there was an out-of-state number, maybe even the same number that made the call uh, about those schools? Yeah, that's a really good question, Ryan. We don't know for sure. Uh, they the chief of the Lynchburg Police Department said, uh, you know, technology is such that these days that people can appear as a certain number, even though it's not actually their number, you know, the, these uh, scams can mimic phone numbers familiar to you. Um, so, but we do know that uh, the chief of the Lynchburg Police Department says that they would investigate this to the fullest extent of the law, um, that they were going to use all means. We do know from Virginia State Police that their, what they call their Virginia Fusion Center, uh, was actively investigating this. This is a, a, a coordination between state police and Virginia Department of Emergency Management. It's kind of this uh, house uh, one-stop shop for those emergency management districts to investigate threats, fully pursue them um, to try and eventually perhaps bring charges. You said it was other schools, Lynchburg, and then a couple others. What, about three or four were the ones that received the phone calls? Yeah, we do know that a school in Charlottesville got okay. a similar phone number, and then I think two uh, more on the eastern side of the state. So it was somewhat um, distributed throughout the state and not limited to southwest Virginia. That's correct. And police spoke to the media and the public after they, they realized what was happening. What kind of concerns do they share about this sort of situation? I guess maybe from the outside, you, people might think, okay, it's maybe precautionary. And as long as um, there was no shooter, no harm, no foul. But I think police are sharing a, a different message. 
Yeah, basically they said that they, you know, take every threat seriously and until that they determine that it is a not credible threat, they're going to treat it like it is a credible threat. So like we said, the school was on lockdown um, for a period of time. They did a sweep of the schools and basically they are indicating that we are going to take these seriously until we have a reason to understand that it shouldn't be taken seriously. So what happened yesterday seemed very much to be like this swatting situation like FBI um, in Richmond called it. So um, they're taking them seriously. And they also, you know, even if there is nothing found, um, the act of making a threat or causing this kind of disruption or, you know, false reporting to police, they are still very much invested in following that and tracing that as closely as they can possible to the source uh, to try and bring some justice to to the situation because it is disruptive to the school day. And it's not the only school in our districts uh, that we cover that has experienced disruptions because of these kinds of reports. What did the students have to do um, when these schools went on lockdown? Did they have to hide under desks? Was it one of those situations or were they just confined to their classrooms or how much of a disruption was this to the local schools? We do know that at this particular high school in Lynchburg, some of the students were dismissed to what they called their fire drill location. Mm-hmm. So some of them actually had to get out of the school and, and they were released to allow, uh, you know, first responders to come in and actually sweep the school. Um, So, you know, it sounds like in some of these situations, they're either locked down or kept in the classroom. But in this particular instance, we know some of the children, some of the students were actually made to leave uh, the buildings and and go outside to their fire drill locations. Um, So we do know that, you know, if you're in the middle of class, that is obviously disruptive to your class time. Yeah, it can also be very traumatizing, I'm sure, for kids if they think it's uh, a real situation. These are very nerve wracking times. So that probably adds to it as well. Is this a, a, not a common thing probably in your, your region, I'm guessing? It's not typically, but what we have seen, we've only been in school for about a month here in Southwest Virginia, give or take. And just last week at another high school in Roanoke City, two days in a row, this high school uh, got called in bomb threats disruption to the school day, school districts, uh, leadership and police had to go in and kind of sweep the schools, obviously, and do everything that they needed to do to make sure it wasn't a credible threat. Again, um, two days in a row, parents got these robocalls to say, hey, your child's school's on lockdown. We'll keep you updated with any information. It seems like school districts are starting to learn how to quickly respond and notify parents without causing undue stress. But it is, of course, stressful to parents. Um, and they try and go to the school to pick their child up. And very often you'll hear the school district say, please don't come to the school. You know, we have everything under control. We're actively investigating. We'll get you updates as needed. But the stress, Ryan, that you mentioned yeah. just today, one of the major hospitals in Roanoke hosted a uh, virtual town hall on parenting in traumatic times that was focused on gun violence. And they talked about so many of the different factors that contribute to mental health in the conversation about gun violence, which is something that we have seen on the rise in Roanoke City in particular, um, down to, you know, if you split the city into four quadrants into one very specific quadrant that disproportionately shares the burden of the gun violence and the damage that that is doing on students and some of the measures that are being taken in in and outside of school to address the trauma associated with that. So, and of course that trauma is multiplied into communities and into families. Um, You know, even if there is no actual credible threat in a school, uh, you know, they try and remind students like this is actually very rare that there is a credible threat in a school, but it still is, uh, you know, can be taxing mentally and emotionally for many students and their families. What has been the reaction from the community from young people to those programs that are trying to help students that have to, to deal with with gun violence, with it being on the rise in, in Roanoke as it is throughout much of the country? 
I think they're finding um, different ways. Uh, we know that there's a gun violence prevention task force here in Roanoke City that is focused on trying to use um, different grants and different fundings to address gun violence. I think because they know that certain areas of the community disproportionately share um, the burden of the gun violence in their community. They're trying to figure out how to get the message across in a culturally appropriate um, way and trying to get everybody on board with that uh, mission and also just pooling all of the resources that may be at the community's disposal to try and figure out how best to use them. So culturally um, appropriate responses, trying to uh, get to the root of the causes, which very often tends yeah. to be poverty tends to be unstable housing, domestic violence, um, you know, all of these uh, com comorbid factors, sure. if you will, um, that contribute to this problem on a larger scale. So, um, you know, threat or no threat, it still has been, you know, could be for some students in our districts, uh, you know, traumatic, like I said, even if there is no threat, they may have, you know, violence in their communities back home, and then the potential of, uh, you know, potential violence or threat in their school, um, you know, our experts here locally know that is traumatic to those students. That's some really valuable context. We're speaking with our correspondent in Roanoke, Virginia, Leanna Scacchetti. Uh, Leanna, just a few more questions for you. Going back to the swatting conversation, you saw it pop up a couple times uh, yesterday. A number of schools had to go on lockdown um, and release some of their students because of this. We saw it happen in Colorado Springs around the same time yesterday over the past four or five days. It happened in Oklahoma. It happened in Texas. You mentioned something comparable happened in another, another part of Virginia. Uh, did police even touch on, I know it's tough sometimes to correspond between uh, jurisdictions, did police and the FBI even talk about any potential connection between any of these, or is that maybe not uh, part of the conversation quite yet? It's not part of the conversation quite yet, though I am eager to see what becomes um, part of the conversation. They did acknowledge that they were experiencing very similar calls in other school districts, which is somewhat unusual, right? Typically, if yeah. we're hearing about a lockdown at school, it, it, it's typically related to like a social media post that a student or a parent brings to the district's attention. Um, this one was a little bit different because it was this out-of-state phone call um, that we saw replicated. So how similar these actual instances are, I think, remains to be seen, but definitely hearing from FBI, hearing from state police, the similar pattern that they were getting just in a single day. And Leanna, to close out here, anything else you want to add? And in terms of reporting, what else uh, do you think is next in covering this, this situation? One of many uh, major stories you covered down there in Roanoke, but uh, what do you think comes next here? I think hearing from the chief of police and the superintendent of schools in Lynchburg yesterday, they echoed something that we hear often, which is parents, please talk to your students about these threats. Please let them know when and how to speak up if there's something that concerns them. If they see something, say something. So I really think that they're trying to emphasize that parents need to be having conversations with their kids about what to look out for and also what to post and what to not post on social media um, and the the effects and the ripple effects that can happen out of a social media post, even if it is meant in jest, making sure that they understand that the school districts and the police department will fully investigate this and law enforcement in particular will use the fullest extent of the law to um, prosecute um, these crimes, even if there is no actual credible threat determined. Um, I think that they, seeing how law enforcement responds with actual charges, if there are any that they're able to place would be the next steps. And also just again, um, you know, this reinforced message from law enforcement about 
parents really having intentional conversations with their children. WDBJ7, Roanoke, Virginia, our correspondent there, Leanna Scacchetti. Leanna, thank you so much for your time and talking about this important topic. Thank you for having me. Big thanks to Leanna Scacchetti for joining us on Local News Live, talking about those swatting calls in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, here is a statement from the FBI branch in Denver. We reached out to them, and so did our uh, team at KKTV, Colorado Springs. Both of us got similar responses. Uh, the caller often tells tales of officers about to be executed or bombs going off. So that's what these phone calls are consisting of. This can cost thousands of dollars every time a SWAT team responds. So these are costly uh, moves by whoever is making these phone calls. Communities can be put in danger as responders and as first responders are taken away from real emergencies. And the false call can be prosecuted as a crime. So this will likely have a consequence for whoever is doing it. It's tough to tell if it is one person, multiple people. I know it is the beginning of the school year, um, but we're seeing it, as we showed you, in about half a dozen different states over the past two days alone. Colorado Springs yesterday where KKTV's at, uh, Charlotte, Roanoke, Virginia. We also saw maybe potentially one out by... Uh, in the to, to, uh, in Kansas as well, the to, uh, Topeka, Kansas area, and even a Toledo, Ohio had a call earlier today. It's unclear if that was a swatting call. Here is a report from WIBW. They are recovering Emporia Middle School where this happened earlier today. A lockdown was lifted after uh, being the school being in lockdown. Emporia High School or Middle School for at least three hours. Three of their buildings were in lockdown. Because at 1.30, Emporia High School and Peoria Middle School and USD 253 went under lockdown after a, uh, they reacted out of an abundance of caution. Um, they released a statement following the guidelines of their school board policy. Students' possessions were searched by administrators and district security officers with the supervision of law enforcement. After further investigation in collaboration with police, it was determined there was no credible threat and students were dismissed at the end of the school day after lockdowns were lifted. This happened after the schools were placed on a level two lockdown due to an unverified threat. So obviously there are consequences to the students when something like this happens and we talked about it. Certainly can be very traumatizing and then it's just dangerous and costly when we have people um, making these outside phone calls and leading to uh, lockdowns and SWAT teams responding, the FBI responding. Leanna Scacchetti, WDBJ7, giving us some insight into what happened in Roanoke, Virginia. We're going to keep tabs on our station's coverage, see if we can get maybe a correlation between all of these, and we'll let you know when uh, investigators do find out who is responsible. If it's many people, maybe just a few, we will uh, let you know.